You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad as we walk along the prom in the Hinch with Rory McKiernan. And uh, a little bit overcast today, and that's like the last three weeks when we've been here. Fantastic. Rory, first of all, thanks a million, and it's brilliant to walk in here in the Hinch with you. Yeah, it's absolutely great, Austin. It's, uh, yeah, it's a lovely day, but we've had a few sunny days, so uh, not too bad to cool off today. No, no, no. So as long as it doesn't stay strong. <laughs> no, 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 and the temperature has dropped a little but we're still seeing people surfing out there. Absolutely, the surfers will will they're so staunch they will never give up on any day of the year really. Le Hinch probably has some of the hardiest surfers in the world. Some of the best surfers in the world as well. So what brought you to Le Hinch? Oh dear No simple answer to that question. Um my wife and I um I'm originally from Coothill, County Cavan. Yeah. My wife is from Oula, County Limerick. We yeah. met while uh, working in Galway. Yeah. We spent six years there we moved to Dublin um, had an office and running a non-profit in Dublin uh, for about eight years and I suppose the thing that got us out of Dublin was really what, what's become known as a housing crisis or a rental crisis really the cost of living uh, where we didn't see a future there to be honest and that's, that would be true for a lot of capital cities around the world at the moment or, or pre-COVID at least so that could be changing so we needed somewhere to go and my wife has some family connections around this part of the world and I mean look at the west of Ireland is a stunning place and I just rolled the dice personally Right, it was a bit of a challenge um, didn't know too many people myself and was a little bit lonely at the start um, but geez, it's been lots of gifts and blessings and uh, lots of adventure and lots of new people and the biggest thing about it which I didn't have in Dublin, I had a community of people but the sense, the richness of community in the air here is so much stronger and I'm all about that as, as you probably community. know speaking of community there's a Canadian over on the right hand side there Randy Lewis and we're hearing from Randy about his reason for being in La Hinch as well and I have a cousin living over beside the castle over there so <laughs> literally next door to it um, so yeah there's an awful lot around here um, but you decide you've spent your career say you were in a not-for-profit so you've spent your life caring about others on one level or another I suppose you could say that yeah um, so I grew up in a small town and I suppose one of the earliest influences was seeing my parents being volunteers in the community my father in Faroga youth organization the scouts um, GAA rugby all sorts really and uh, my mother was very involved in the local credit union movement and uh, I was just aware of that I was also aware of the troubles around the border which weren't far away from us and my mum would from Donegal so we'd be crossing the border back and forth and I took an interest in that and as a result took an interest in social and political affairs and then that I suppose led me to a curiosity about justice and injustice and right. the way to the world and so I ended up actually studying business at university in Scotland but really I possibly should have studied social studies or something like that but still business was useful I worked for a few multinationals but soon after I kind of felt a very very strong calling like almost vocational calling to the world of community work and youth work so really in my mid-twenties I, I embarked on that journey and uh, it started off with a one-year uh, role in what was the Northwestern Health Board working with young people around sexual health and mental health and that led me then to realise that the state isn't always the greatest of innovators and 
if I wanted to make change really happen I should do something myself so right. I started an organisation and built that up over many years would it be fair to say though that having studied business that sometimes it can be a disadvantage to people who are interested in helping others in the social context that not having studied business may not give them a, a fully comprehensive perspective on the role of the dis different aspects of society and how we all are somewhat interdependent. Yeah, well, look, uh, I, I think he, it's about balance. Everything in life is about balance. We need the head and the heart. Yes. And sometimes the head is uh, dominating the economy or the world or families or whatever. And sometimes the heart might be. And it's really about both in sync. And I think that's true. Like, you, like you can be running the greatest charity in the world, but if it's, you're not minding your money and the governance and the management and looking after staff and training staff. But not even that side of it, but you can be running the greatest business in the world, and if all you're is, is profit-driven. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And likewise, yeah. you're running the greatest charity in the world, but you don't appreciate that you actually need people to fund you, and that funding may be coming from some of these businesses, and that there's an interdependence. Absolutely, yeah, it's an interdependence, and I suppose you're starting to see bigger conversations around that in society, where people are looking more and more to social enterprise enterprise which I think is a really interesting uh, evolution and they say it's a new thing it's not really like the co-op movement and people have been doing it for thousands of years really it's about how do you generate revenue income and economy for the benefit of society and the whole and ideally do it in a way where the maximum number of people can benefit so it's the concept and I know when I was growing up it was a strong concept of the common good yeah and it's funny you don't hear that word as much as you should really yeah. the common and the commons and in fact when you look at land and land ownership and things there used to be the idea of the commons yes. and the acreage where farmers would have a commons for yes. shared animals and shared resources and I, a strong believer and I think it's very strong in the air here in the west coast of Clare the idea of the mehel, the community, the sharing, the collective and I think I mean they're, they're notions that can be dismissed easily enough but like just throw COVID uh, onto that yeah. and suddenly they're not so easy to dismiss. Correct. We see why the collective is so important. So before we throw COVID onto it, because before COVID you did manage to decide well you decide I'm going to go do something that we all used to do well my generation did when we were growing up. You decided you were going to hitch around Ireland. Now yeah. most of us hitch because we needed to get from Dublin home or home back to Dublin yeah. but <laughs> I never did a hitching holiday yeah. but you decided to hitch around Ireland why? I did yeah so so I grew up as you say like many people hitching by needs must to get to football training or whatever Yeah. and it was just the way things were um, now I hadn't hitched for say 15 or 20 years in, in fact I hitched in Canada at one point as well but um, yeah so uh, this was uh, at the, the collapse of the Celtic Tiger economy there was a lot of questioning questions going on about who are we and where are we going and in fact there was a lot of despair and hopelessness yes and so I kind of had questions for myself and I was even thinking about emigrating myself right and it was in my early mid 30s and I was just kind of like what does the future hold for Ireland for me and I suppose I also had a sense of 
wanting to get out of my comfort zone and go on a bit of a quest so you could say it was a bit of a call to a pilgrimage of sorts right. different people do that in different ways yeah. so I decided to go around Ireland asking people questions about hope and then when I asked myself how would I get around Ireland I thought going around the car is no use because the doors are closed so I said I'll stick the thumb out yeah. and that's what I did and of course of its nature the people who are more likely to pull up and offer you a lift first of all are of a particular frame of mind yeah, which is with, more often well, because the, the yeah. ones with the closed mind are driving past you yeah it, I mean it, there, you could write a PhD study on hitching and the psychology and the philosophy and there's all there's socio-economic there's gender there's everything but yeah. you're right like there's there generally is a curiosity a kindness a generosity a recognition and a uh, trust yeah 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 by you're letting someone in to sit a few inches away from you and yeah yeah and, and, and there's a lot of horror stories and you hear that a lot I mean I think there's been a few movies and every now and then there's a media story about a hitchhiker being killed or a hitchhiker killing somebody and yeah. but like every story in life we can't let one story define all the stories and you know my experiences over many years uh, have been that I mean I had a couple of funny moments here and there over when I was younger but for the most part the world and this is how you look at the world is, is it a kind place or is it a bad place now I'm going yeah. to raise something here because we're hearing a lot of this in North America at the moment and this would apply in your case and in my case you were hitching around with a degree of what is now becoming known as white privilege Go on, you're yeah, not, yeah. You're not a female, and you're not a visible minority. Yeah, well, well, you're you're absolutely 110 percent correct. And in fact, people who bring that up, uh, it's an important conversation to have because, I mean, obviously, like the the racial dynamic is is new or newer in Ireland. Yes. So we're even slightly behind in that dimension. But the male aspect has certainly been around forever. And you know, the fact is. Can I go and wholeheartedly encourage young women or any woman to do the same thing that I've done? Not really, no. no. So, because the reality is, and all the studies, all the reports will show that there's disproportionately more violence against women in that regard, whether it's sexual or otherwise. Yeah. And that's a very harsh and chilling reality that you're absolutely correct to reference and not gloss over. So, in terms of the racial dynamics, absolutely. I have a mixed race niece myself. Now, I won't get into talking about her, but she doesn't happen to live in Ireland. But there's many uh, people of different ethnicities and backgrounds living in Ireland now. And unfortunately, we live in an era, and this includes Ireland, where there are now marches and voices of what I would say really division and hatred. And I mean, we can get into arguing the, the history and the what's what and all of that, but like ultimately it comes down to like love over fear, love over hate. And unfortunately, those voices are very strong right now. And, and unfortunately, it really does come down to that we're all humans. It, it's irrelevant of what's underneath that layer of skin of whatever colour or what yeah you yeah. know Austin, like what I think is ultimately behind a lot of this is certainly there's conspiracy stories certainly there are people stoking fires for their own gain but ultimately what I think is informing a lot of the impulse is uh, people feeling 
that their needs aren't being met and I think our economy and our society has been out of sync with people's needs for a very long time Uh, there are very real socio-economic reasons why that's happening uh, including massive wealth inequality but what what is happening is the narrative has been shifted to blame minorities for all our woes and that is incorrect so and and as Irish people and Irish people with a with a notion of immigration emigration migration and that is Irish history there's a massive irony in all of this isn't enough but that's a suitable backdrop to then pitching for hope because in the picture we've just painted what we're talking in terms of is a changing Ireland changing attitudes changing everything so you decided to go around and check it out Yep, yep, and and just really, I suppose the other thing is, obviously, as you can hear, I'm, I'm well fit to talk, whether <laughs> I make sense is another thing, but, uh, you know, sometimes you should just shut up and listen, Yeah. and uh, I'm a big believer in the power and importance of listening, and I just think we need to be quiet sometimes and hear what the other has to say, uh, and that's what Hitchin does, you allow the driver to speak, and they set the tone and the pace, and I suppose what I was hearing during that particular trip around Ireland was a lot of anger, a lot of despair, a lot of hopelessness. But in the sharing is also a release for that person of something that might have happened to them or something that was bothering them. And the danger from a mental health perspective is it's very simple, really. If that is bottled up and if that's buried, it can become toxic. It can end up uh, having very negative uh, health implications for the individual, the family and the society, I would say as well. But, you know, beyond that I think it can be transformational for people to learn from each other to learn from each other's stories and I also did hear many stories of hope and particularly of resilience and I think that's important at this moment is to know that we get by our parents got by their parents got by and people are strong you know one of the things I had I just talking to hope the sun appeared there briefly but (laughs) (laughs) we can talk about uh, the weather I could do a whole no no we won't show on that. But um, one of the things you did mention there that you you heard people talk in sense about, and you were was pitching for hope. It wasn't what I didn't find was there was not despair. There were people, and they expressed, um, as you said, dissatisfaction, and they expressed a degree of helplessness. But I didn't sense despair because what was coming through then was the hope. Yeah, well, I suppose there, there will always be uh, some people that just to honour them that do despair, and that's where we do see stories of suicide and, and so on. And, and but you know, on the whole, it's back to that resilience that people have and the ability to triumph over adversity. Right. I'm sure you've had that in your own life. I'm yep. sure people listening to this have had that. They know it. That it's it's part of who we are. And I think. Sometimes, whatever way our education systems are built, or whatever way the cultural conditioning is ordered, is that there's a denial of suffering as a reality as part of the human experience. I think the more we can accept that suffering is an innate part of the human experience and actually can be beneficial 
if you if you reframe it and see that there might even be blessings in it yeah, for indeed, you. Indeed. You know, and it's not I'm not trying to romanticize suffering no. by a long shot. And in fact there are so many ways to ease suffering as well. Yes. And one of the ways that easing suffering is to be there for each other and just give a listen and ear. Very much so. Very but the other thing then is and I think this is where part of the problem has arisen. Uh, I don't know if you sense this, but like over the last number of years there has been an increase in expectations right across the Western world. Expectations which are not unreasonable, but they're unrealistic. Yeah, no, I, I think you're bang on there. Um, so, I suppose, I mean, look, it's, I, I'm kind of weary about isms because if I start talking about capitalism, someone asso- assumes that I want to advocate socialism. Yep. And that's not necessarily the case at yep. all. But I do feel that if you take, I'm 42 now, right? And what I grew up with is in an age of hyper consumption, hyper consumerism, yep. and essentially hyper capitalism, which is, it promises all the world's riches Correct. and we can have everything we want. And you. And, and that's you individually, yeah. not us collectively. And you. That, that's very attractive. Yes. Uh, that's how, you know, it speaks to a lot of our, uh, our desires, if you like. Correct. But it doesn't necessarily bring you happiness. No. You no. know? No. And who wants to deny any of the comforts, the technology, the yeah. ability to travel and hold it? And I've enjoyed many of those opportunities, you know? Yes. Um, but it doesn't necessarily tend to the, the realm of the soul or the community or the collective or the overall well-being. And I think there's just something that is and has been pre-COVID required in the notion of a rebalancing and a reorganizing that looks after people better and the planet for that matter. So would it be fair to say you came away from your journey around Ireland reassured um, in that our, our feeling in some way that while things may be bleak they're not dire yeah more than that uh, like on a personal level uh, I felt liberated and renewed right. and it had reminded me of that younger more carefree more courageous freer self before I got weathered down a little bit as life does weather you down and it makes you a little bit more conforming yeah. and boring even compromising know. yeah yeah boring like you know no I wouldn't and, say and, that no but, but no what I'm getting at is like you know when you're younger you'll sleep in a hostel or you oh, yeah, go okay. camping okay. and then as you get older you want a nicer hotel yep. and all of that trajectory is understandable and great and I, right. I would choose the hotel obviously but it doesn't necessarily give you the most rewarding experience no so the, uh, what I'm speaking to is the notion of adventure and getting out of your comfort zone right so I probably do another shake in that at the moment but you know because you, you just you get a bit stale and unless you keep shaking things up a little bit and challenging yourself so right. I'm a big believer in that now that was on the personal level and it restored my faith in Ireland and people it reconnected me with the land the people the culture the kindness um, but socially and politically it showed me that there are so many people out there working day in and day out for change and there's beacons of light and hope in every community and that we need to rally in behind them right not to turn away from them do yeah. you know? yeah. and so that's always been the case um, and I think it's about what story we tell ourselves and in many ways hope is just not this uh, notion lingering in the air it's a choice you know so you hope to, to launch the book back and then 
COVID hit. So <laughs> well, there's a, the best there. Hit, the best yeah, hit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I never thought I'd write a book or be a writer, but this book seemed to demand to be written, and and you know it was just it wouldn't leave me alone till I wrote this and finished this. It took me a long, long time, but yeah. So I was due to launch on the 26th of March, and uh, in Easton's O'Connell Street in Dublin, the biggest bookstore in the country, I think, and uh, I had an eight venue tour around Ireland and then I was due to go to North America and Britain and so on so yeah best laid plans COVID hit I just had to react and deal with it fairly quickly I turned it into virtual launches before long I had people watching from I think that's maybe how you come across it I don't know but uh, <laughs> anyway so so the, 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 like look at it, it was a success in one regard the book got to number one in the bestsellers chart is, the book's called Hitching for Hope and um, yeah but on the other hand I have to I have also had to contend with I, I forced myself to be hopeful and optimistic but there were a few moments more recently where I realised oh it was disappointing as well what happened but it's also out of my hands and sometimes you have to just let go and surrender to what's in front of you and the road is long and windy and we don't know what's coming next exactly you know? and what's coming next might be far better than you ever anticipated exactly yeah. so you, I, I, I do believe you shouldn't rush to judge reality on, this, on a linear dimension because you know it, it could all spin around very easily in a positive way and sometimes as things can turn around negative your life can change in a very positive way correct. very quickly correct um, so uh, basically the book is a series of chapters and each chapter is an experience with a different uh, hitchhiking story associated with it yeah so there's all sorts of characters in this there's, it starts off with a meeting a young teenage fella in Galway and then I stop by to see my mother and that was to tell a little bit about her story about uh, leaving her job as an older woman and changing, changing her life and moving to the West. Um, I met uh, Sonny Jacobs who was on death row in the US. That's yeah. a huge story, her story of miscarriage of justice. And uh, then I went on and met some fishermen, some farmers in, in Mam Cross. Went up, actually met up with some orange men and uh, unionists and loyalists in the north of Ireland. That was a whole other experience. Uh, I met monks and farmers and business people and journalists and ended up on TV and radio and yeah. ultimately got put up and minded and looked after everywhere I went. So somebody slagged me off recently and joked that, uh, you know, sure, it, was, it wasn't really, it was a holiday more than yeah. anything. <laughs> Arguably it was, uh, but it was also a great privilege and, and a life-changing journey. And one of the messages of it all is that, you know, I got this incredible experience out of this trip and it led to writing this book and people are reading it all over the world and now I'm being getting messages from readers all over the world right. so the, the trip is continuing in so many different ways and it keeps opening up doors for me and opportunities and hopefully you know I'll do more trips like it and maybe Canada who knows but um, I think you know there, there are a lot of um, one of the things about hitchhiking is you're standing at the side of the road you really don't know what's coming next That's right. and it's the ability to really cultivate that in your life at any moment right that to be present yes and to not get too anxious about the future or worry about the past you know so I think hitchhiking can be a great uh, spiritual teacher in, in some ways as long as you keep it safe 
and then exactly yeah it's a, so there yeah you're going back to the, the safety precautions yeah, around and particularly the gender dimensions yeah, and all the rest indeed. and yeah look let's not be uh, naive here no. that there are very real risks in the world yes um, you know and, and again not minimising but this is not a time in COVID to be getting into a car with anybody no it's not like, look, you're, no. you're not maintaining your distance no I mean look I'm not having any kind of public events or launches there like I'm a big believer in and this is the commons too I think we're in a moment of the commons where there are many things I'd love to be doing now and have had the sacrifice as people listening will and we're doing it for the collective of each other correct so my sacrifice isn't necessarily about my well-being it's about the collective well-being and including people more vulnerable than me particularly older people and particularly people with underlying illnesses who in fact make up a very big part of the population so Rory while you have been able to do a launch uh, you've done virtual I know you had plans to do the launch in North America Canada but if somebody does want to get their hands on the book yeah and if they want to reach out to you they can find you in numerous places do you want to give us a housekeeping here yeah <laughs> so I'd always encourage people to support their local independent bookstore including if that's phoning them or emailing them or ordering online all the main book sites like Book Depository Amazon all those places they have the book as well and uh, I'm on Facebook Twitter Instagram LinkedIn Rory McKiernan how do you go to spell that oh yeah R-U-A-I-R-I there's a thing on the I that looks like the an father, accent called the father the father is on and there so it's Rory McKiernan and uh, but you can the easiest place to remember is hitchingforhope.com indeed and um, while you say support your local bookseller that's great here in Ireland but as you say at the moment if somebody wants to get their hands in Canada North America or anywhere else in the world go to the major online booksellers well yeah but but you'd be surprised that directly to you and in fact my publisher is uh, from North America from Vermont called right. Chelsea Green Publishing so they do have distribution in Canada and elsewhere and uh, your local bookstore a lot of them are going above and beyond to order books in for people as well so. fantastic but Rory we're going to have to wrap it up there it's been brilliant being able to link up with you finally and have a chat and uh, it's been inspirational to us and thank you absolute pleasure thanks very much you're listening to Irish Radio Canada and I've just come we're, we've been up in Turkey and uh, just down on the, the pier now and I shared a whole load of photographs earlier in the year around the walks around Blackburn Hamlet where we're, they were sharing messages of positivity and Maria I just caught her putting a, a, a stone down on the rocks here Maria what's the idea Why, what's the motivation here um, it, it actually came to me when I was in um, I was self-isolating so it was something to keep me busy during the two weeks and just thought it would add a bit of um, colour to the, the wall here by Colourful and it's you and your daughter myself and my 13 year old daughter right yeah um, I see you have positivity rocks there and life is tough but so are you that was, was anyone, my daughter's one yeah was anyone in your family or anyone you know affected by Covid um, no thankfully right right no. but it has affected people's mental health of course it has yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. not just Covid but everything affects everyone's mental in, health indeed indeed well they're beautiful they really are they're, they're fantastic and, uh, and we're kind of trying to encourage people to take a rock from here all right. bring it home paint it and bring, bring it another one back and I, see, I see you have hashtag positivity rocks kill key yeah. on one of them so yeah. uh, if you look for the hashtag positivity rocks kill key you might find some stuff out there on Facebook or Twitter or some of the other yeah, social Instagram, media yeah. Instagram yeah. as well thanks a million Marie thank you